0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 168. It was fun while it lasted. Recorded November 9th, 2014, and brought to you by Element Opie Productions. ElementOpie.com Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Linux show that's not about Linux, but about life in the context of Linux. I am your host, Mark, the sultan of the soapbox cockerel. And joining me this week, as always, are your two stalwart co-hosts, Chris, the command Line godfather, and Seth, the gooey kid, Ederson. Hello, gentlemen.
1: Hello, ladies and gentlemen of Internet land. I hope you're having a great but chilly evening.
2: The world is perfect. The Cowboys won the 18.
0: Won in in grand fashion over a very poor team. Mm-hmm.
2: They only count for Ws.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get to That's see a- it since I live in Georgia now. I had to just rely on the updates that came across. while I was watching another game I didn't care about, but I hear it was good.
1: Yeah. Eh,
2: yeah, it wasn't bad. It was like I said, it was a win. And those are all that counts in the NFL.
0: <laughs> Before we get too far on, I want to uh, stop and recognize the fact that Tuesday is Veterans Day here in the U.S. Um, Memorial Day is when we memorialize our dead. Veterans Day is when we celebrate the living. Uh, if you are listening and are active service or have been a member of uh, military service, we thank you for your time and your sacrifice and the sacrifice of your families. Um, Thanks seems like a simple word, and it's not enough, but it's all I have to offer. Thank you for your service.
1: And enjoy your free Bloomin' Onion if you go to Outback. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or your free bowl if you go to Genghis. I, you Ooh. know,
0: I think Veterans Day, everything should be free. I mean, no vet should pay for a beer, ever, frankly, I think. Um, but certainly not on Veterans Day. Um, we can do parades and stuff, and that's nice but we should give them free stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I think you show up in your uniform to anything, except maybe like a car dealership, then it should it should be free. Because let's face it, uh, even even somebody who just went to college, to uh, just went to the military for three years to get their college paid for, that was still a sacrifice of their life for a period of time for the public good. Um, and, you know, since 2001 there hasn't really been a lot of, of people going into the military knowing they would never see combat. And yet there's still people volunteering every year. So, you know, it just, it just seems to me, I come from a a family that is, um, has a rich military tradition. And, uh, of course, in, in World War Two, like every family had a military tradition, right? Um, right. My grandparents and and uh, of course, as most people my age did, they gen- they came from that generation, so everybody served because everybody served, um, right? You know, even if you were four F and couldn't go, you still did rubber drives or whatever, because it was truly a global um, effort. And and with that is that died off, right? Their children uh, and grandchildren didn't have to go to war. But unfortunately, for the last couple of decades, there's been that need again. So, again, thank you for your service, active duty military and retired military. Uh, Mm -hmm. Moving right along, this uh, for the month of October, I donated in your name to the Puppy Linux Project. 10% of the proceeds that I received uh, as the month closed out. Um, was donated to Puppy Linux, my favorite utilitarian distribution. So there you go.
1: And we thank you, Puppy, woof, woof. for everything you have done.
0: And I got a uh, a personalized email back from, I don't think it was the developer. It wasn't Barry. It was, uh, I forget the name now, but it was somebody in the organization. Like within minutes of having made the donation, I got an email. Hey, thanks for your, I, I like it when people do that.
1: Yeah. That's that extra layer of of being happy, right? Right.
0: I try to do that anytime somebody donates to me when I get that PayPal email. I try to respond immediately, You know, even if it's on my phone during a meeting, and just say, thanks, I really appreciate it. Now, I don't do that every month if they did a recurring donation because that's a little silly. But uh, (laughs) I think it's important that people should understand that you're grateful because you didn't have to
2: do that right just as long as you know it doesn't become a hey you gave once seven years ago yeah um and we've been reminding you every month of that (laughs) won't you please consider again it's for the children (laughs) thank you american (laughs) cancer society
1: or any other charitable donation that wants your name number address and like my, my
2: parents give to a political party and uh You know, I'm sure if they gave to the other political party, it would be just the same. But you're not getting calls from that political party only. You're getting it from the national, the local, the affiliated party here, the affiliated party there. And, oh, I'm so thankful the election is over because, I mean, it was just like you would think. I don't know. It was just a constant ringing their house. Ring, 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 ring. I'm just like, ah, shut up.
0: I just want to say that after the 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 midterm elections last week were over America won. Not because of ballots, not because of who was elected, but because the commercials all stopped. America won.
1: Um, yeah. No kidding.
0: It was just it was really I, I I everybody I guess looks back and says things were better in the past, but it really seems to be so much worse now as they target, right? They have better tools to make those those emails and tweets and phone calls and, and can really narrow down to your zip code and, and you know, you should vote for this candidate. It's just, it it's a new level of annoyance.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. My mom, I went to a meeting with my mom and on the little handout sheet, you know, they were passing by, she put my email address down nice. next to her name. Oh, I, I took the pen and I spent like five minutes scribbling over every, you couldn't, it was just this black space. Um, that was all that was left because it's like, I don't want spam from these people. Yeah. Um, uh, it's just, you know, I mean, if they would just give anyway, uh, yeah. I just, I hate targeted advertising. Um, period.
0: All right. So I have some really good news, Seth, that will make you feel better. Please remember a while back when I waxed rhapsodic about the perfect podcast app with time-based yes. comments as you listen. Well, uh-huh. a listener to this show by the name of Kaiser has begun working on that app, and i have i i actually have the uh, the early beta on my phone right now, and I, I could not be more excited. I'm as giddy as a child on Christmas morning about this thing. Uh, right <laughs> now, it's the Edl app, and so it, it grabs our feed, and it's. Like I said, it's super early days. Um, you have to sign up on whatever server he has there, create an account, which is good. I want that. Um, and right now, I I'm, I think he and I are the only two people on the server. But while it's playing, you click the comment button. It time codes the comment and and shows you um, what was said. You can reply to that comment in line. When you click on one of the replies or one of the comments, it, it jumps the audio while it's playing back to that point in time so you can see what they're talking about. I'm super excited about this app. This is going to be the most awesome balling app ever. Um, And thank you, Kaiser, for just saying, hey, I'd like to do this. Is there any changes you'd like to make? And so I I wrote him this long email with like four levels of, all right, so for basic, first, first he said, is it okay if I make an app? And I wrote back and said, this is Creative Commons, man. You can do whatever you want with it. You don't have to ask permission. I appreciate that you did, but you don't have to. And then he wrote back and said, well, I'm going to do it. Is there anything you'd like to see? So I gave him like three categories. The, the minimum, <laughs> this would be nice. The middle of the road, hey, this is you know extra. And then the, just the I'm dreaming now stuff. And he went straight for the I'm dreaming category. He just ignored all the others. And I'm uh, <laughs> <laughs> just That's so awesome. excited about that. So what it we is. need, um, and I'm sure as, as he gets his infrastructure built up, we're going to need beta testers. But right now what we need is a designer kaiser is not a designer nor am i um he i believe his exact phrase was when it comes to ui i suck uh so if anybody (laughs) out there is a designer you don't have to be an artist but somebody who understands how to lay things out in a usable way let me know i would love to put you in contact uh, with kaiser and and get uh get some work uh get you work together and if you're an artist and you want to draw some art that would be great um I would love to make this truly a community app. I mean, obviously, it's intended to be right now the EDL app, but I want it to be the killer podcast app in the world.
1: Well, and, and, if, I want he, and, if, to- and if it happens that way, you know, that's going to be a monster because I could think of a lot of podcast apps that are going to go, oh, how do we do that?
0: Exactly. I want him to be able to put this thing in the store at, you know, nine bucks and people to say that's a bargain. I'll pay for it. Uh, I would. Um, I mean, I paid for the app I use now, BeyondPod. I think it was seven dollars, and, and it it was great. It, it's it's a good app. I'm happy to have paid for it. But uh, if he adds some of the more advanced features, like uh, you know, playing at one and a half and two times speed, and a few things like that, which I know you know can be added on at the time, this could be the premier podcast app where you not just get the podcast, but the community gets to to join in while they listen to the podcast. Because that's just that's the exciting thing to me. Because when I have a comment when I'm listening to a podcast, I say it out loud in my car, right? Nobody ever hears that. But if I can record that and everybody who listens to that podcast has the opportunity to see that, and, you know, I, I could see later on down the line c- is as the database gets bigger, you have, you know, Reddit style plus one ing and, and, and minus and minus ing so that the be- right. best comments raise to the top and the others kind of fall away. Um, I, I'm just super excited about the potential. So thank you, Kaiser, for your hard work, and, and we need a few more uh, talented people to uh, really flesh this thing out. So if you're interested, contact me, Mark, at elementop.com, and uh, let me know that you're interested. Cool. Yeah, that sweet. sounds that,
2: really that, awesome. Yeah, that just in the
0: in it, its infant awesome. stage right now, it's super cool. I mean it's better it's amazing to me right now just as he and I exchange comments but once I mean if if we did nothing more than release the current version it would be better than a lot of podcast apps out there cuz it gives you that communication back and forth but it's going to be so much more than that I'm sure of it.
1: You know and what the idea of being able to to add the comment in line is just immense that's if that's cool that is really cool.
0: Um, we need to refine some things about how it lets you know there's a comment. Like right now, there's just a counter that says X number of comments. And when there's 50,000 comments on a podcast that's been around for a year, that would get a little unwieldy. Hard, uh, yeah. But, you know, those are things, those are problems that we will conquer as we get there. But uh, <laughs> I'm just super excited about it and wanted to let you guys know it's it's in the works. It's going to
1: happen. Sweet. I can't wait to see it. Maybe it'll be the new podcast app in my handhold, you know, in my, my phone. Because yeah. right now, the one I have works. It's fine, but it drives me nuts. And there's no way to back up. That's what drives me crazy. You can't export your feeds? Well, I can, but it's not automatic. Okay. So, like, if I've gone through and added and removed a bunch of podcasts, I have to remember to actually go in and manually do a backup of the current subscription. Why isn't that automatic? Does that not make sense to anybody else?
0: I never would have thought that would be a feature needed. I mean, I'm smart enough to know to export it periodically.
1: Right, but the point is, yeah. why not? Why not? So, okay. Anyway, <laughs> I'll get off the soapbox. <laughs> I got so yelled at for getting on the soapbox. I had a bizarre
0: experience yesterday. It's it's uh, living with, with young girls. Uh, I, I have to chalk it up to that. So yesterday I had this great idea. Hey, kids, let's all go to a movie. And our, our lunch will be like popcorn and hot dogs and stuff at the movie. Afterwards, we'll go out for ice cream. It'll just be a big family thing. You say that to a group of children, you expect the response to be, awesome idea, yeah! dad. Cool. No, the right. response was my middle child ran out of the house screaming and in tears. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to living with girls um but it did happen anyway we literally had to to like yell at her come on you're coming because she didn't want to go she's she's like that though she'll she'll be dragged into something and then it's the best thing out of her. so we went to see the new movie big hero six loved yes. it uh spoiler free review i will say it is a it is a pixar quality movie um, it's, uh, you know, a few years ago, Disney bought Pixar and instead of trying to Disneyize them, they said, Hey, why don't you pixarize the whole Disney thing? Um, and so like Wreck-It Ralph and, um, and, uh, what's the one that everybody, the, the, the ice queen one I can't believe the name the frozen. frozen, wow, frozen. my brain just locked that word out. Um,
1: <laughs> the, the, but not groups, that it's that. It needs to be sometimes, right? Groups from the Pixar
0: team have been tapped to do that. Executive producer John Lasseter, the is really the brain behind Pixar, has been heading these things up, and and this has Lasseter's touch all over it. They, of course, as you expect, the animation is superb, but the story is good. The characters are relatable. It's it's not boring. There's stuff in there for adults and for kids. Um, it's a little intense, um, and, and so maybe younger kids might struggle through it, but at the same time, it wasn't so much that my six-year-old was crying or anything. It was just, there were just intense moments. So I really think right. it's it's nearly the perfect kid-slash-whole-family movie. What did you think, Chris?
1: Um, I went to it, and I loved it. I was actually really impressed with um, the presentation of the movie itself. Uh yeah but i did you notice that it wasn't technically in a city it was in a mashed up city of san, san francisco and tokyo yeah. yeah so that kind of took me off for a little bit cuz i was expecting to see some landmarks or something but they yeah. they kind of well it's you know, like
0: thousands of years in the future uh this, right. as you may or may not know big hero 6 is a marvel property which is now owned by disney right um and so these these were comic books in the past and there's a there's a nod to that um uh Stanley makes a cameo in this movie. Yep. Um,
1: Which I thought was awesome. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, there he is." <laughs> so, definitely I would definitely say uh if you're an adult level type viewer, maybe not go and see it in the theater because you might get the weird guy look. Uh but <laughs> it's definitely a movie to go to to rent or watch when it comes out to a point where you can actually see it without, you know, getting the the yeah. weird guy why is this hairy 15 year,
0: fifteen year old surrounded by all these kids?
1: Yes, so uh,
0: I, it's it's a it's a really good movie. It's definitely one I will buy when it comes out on DVD.
1: Yep, oh, it's already on my queue yeah. for when when it second it hits pre order. I'll have a a ping in my Google Now. So, so you'll
2: buy the uh, DVD Blu Ray combo pack with digital download. Yes,
1: <laughs> probably.
2: Um,
0: the this this may be a movie. I, this is this is rich white people problems. So we went to the this theater. It's it's sort of it's not IMAX because IMAX is branded and owned, but it's it's a IMAX style experience that Regal Theaters has called RPX, the Regal Experience. And it just happened to be that the time we wanted to see the movie, that was the only theater it was in. So it's big leather seats, very comfortable. Uh, they recline and the whole bit. But for me and and the wife and the three kids. It was seventy six dollars just in tickets, then another fifty seven dollars in popcorn and cokes and hot dogs, and then we went out for ice cream afterwards, which came up to another thirty dollars. So my, oh my. little <laughs> evening out was like a hundred and seventy dollars of
2: of family fun. Holly, what was the hospital bill for the heart attack after <laughs> you paid for that?
0: Well the thing is it wasn't surprising to me. I was expecting yeah. that it's just it yeah. is it is what it is.
1: What's funny is I did something similar with my family Saturday night or Friday night, I don't remember now. But uh we did the whole dinner movie ice cream come home, right? And honestly, for even being in Little Town Glendive, you know, we had a nice dinner and everything, but we spent almost two fifty on it yeah. for the whole thing. So it, it it's amazing how at the start of your story when you were telling us about how expensive it was for the tickets you know, it wasn't that far off for me and right. my two kids and wife. So, it's a, it's weird. It's
0: a, it's a whole, it's a whole different
1: world. It is. What yeah. whatever happened to three dollar movies? I remember going to the movies for three bucks.
0: Yeah. Now the matinee price is twelve dollars, and the and the regular price is fifteen. Whew.
2: Jeez. Yeah, they're ridiculous. I went to a movie theater. I hadn't. I used to it used to be my theater of choice. I went there and. It was just – I will never go back to that one because it was $40, and I was Whoa. by myself. I remember I could take my girlfriend out for an entire evening for $40. Uh, that's how long it's been since I've had Seth, a girlfriend. You haven't had but a girlfriend since, like, 92. I know, so. a long time ago, but <laughs> 40 bucks just for one person to see him, And they used to just be a theater, but they converted it to, a you know, eating the theater kind of thing. And they thought, hey, let's charge twice the prices of what everybody else would do for this. And, yeah. you know, like I say, I, I don't think I will ever go back to that theater again because it just was not worth
1: it for me.
0: And I really think that's the future of movies. I know you tuned into a, li- a Linux podcast and you're listening to movies, but you should know this by now. Um, <laughs> I think the future of movies is that experience, right? Because now I think the the day and date release to digital is going to be, is, you know, seven years at the most. It'll be the standard. Um, because they're already being pirated anyway. The people might as well make money off of that. Go ahead and release the DVD the same day it's in the theaters or maybe after opening weekend, something like that. But I think the only thing that's going to differentiate people, uh, uh, different venues and, and whatever, is the experience you can get. So I think what you're going to see is the. The premium experience is being sold. Yes, you can see the same movie down the street at the dollar movie, but here you get the leather seats and you get people who bring you food, and it's the giant 4K screen. I, I saw it in, a, in a, you know a 4K digital screen. So, you know, I think that's that's what's going to be the the way that we make money. For years, it was the the movie that broke even on, and the popcorn was where they made their money. And I think now it's going to be the – it's popcorn's not enough anymore. It's got to be the whole premium experience. And those little mom-and-pop places that couldn't even hack it as a dollar theater are going to close.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I've been to, like, Studio Movie Grill. That's like a local mm-hmm. chain, at least in the Dallas area. And their food, you know, it's slightly it's bar above food. what you would get at a restaurant in terms of price. But it's not outrageous. This theater I went to was – freaking outrageous you know i mean i expected like you know hooters chicks to come and sit by me while i eat it for those prices or something (laughs) it was just it was it was too much for that experience and again I, i i like the the dying at the theater kind of thing but they just decided hey we're gonna overcharge and see if we can do this and apparently they can but um it was it was awful
0: Alright, moving on. Seth, what is a graveyard sky?
2: Okay. Under a graveyard sky is a novel by Johnny, by John Ringo. It's a really cool, it's like a zombie thing, but it's more realistic zombies because it's like, um, they get infected and you can shoot them and they'll die regular. It doesn't take just like a headshot kind of thing, but he writes, um, the really he's a military space opera, science fiction writer. Uh, the cool, the thing I like about him is like the dialogue and the interaction between the main characters. You know, they just, they drop references to movies and pop culture and, and things that I would recognize, but it's that interaction. And then, you know, zombies are the hot property right now and monsters. And so it's a, it's a good zombie series. It's a little different take on it. They, um, you know, like I say, you you can shoot them in the chest and they'll bleed out and die, as opposed to just requiring a headshot. So basically, they're just like people who got who went rabid and lost all their mental state, kind of thing. But um, it's there's three books into it. This is the first book. I bought it Friday and read it Friday, and it was really really good. Um, they didn't have the second one in the store, but I'm about to order it before I read the third one that I bought hardback because I I like the author so much.
0: Of course, I had to check while you were talking, and it is available on elementop.com slash audible.
2: um, Yes. And And, you can get the audio book.
1: And on Amazon.
2: Yeah, elementop.com slash Amazon and get the uh, paper book if you're someone who just likes the paper, such as myself.
1: Or hardcover. They have a hardcover or a MP3 CD you could buy. Yeah, but
2: I'm too cheap for the hardcover if there's an alternative.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for the book recommendation. I am not into zombies at all, um, so it would be a hard sell for me. But you know, when I, I might give it a try someday, because I'm not in into vampires list, at the all books. either. And Abe Lincoln Vampire Hunter was was great.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was a hilarious movie. Yeah. No, the book that, the book is, the is book a whole different
0: tone than the movie. Um, it's more of a historical documentary that also happens to have vampires in it. Huh. Um, i haven't finished all of it a, a friend of mine let me borrow their ebook reader and i got into it and then realized gosh i hate reading so <laughs> i'll read it i'll listen to it a little later on but it's uh yeah it was again i'm not into vampires but the it was a, a well told enough that it made me interested in the uh the story so maybe huh. that'll and be the case with graveyard sky
2: yeah and that's the thing it's uh And the full name is Under Under, a Graveyard Sky. Um, but the cool thing about it, it's not about the zombies. It's about, you know, the people, uh, and their life in the post apocalyptic world. Um, and, and like I say, the cool thing about these zombies is, you know, they're not like this magical kind of thing. You shoot them in the chest and they bleed out and die. So they're, they're, Hmm. they're people who are zombies rather than you know the 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 zombies dropped off from the planet krypton so they're just thing. insane people basically yeah
1: they're cannibals that don't speak
2: pretty much
0: what was that <laughs> terrible m night shyamalan movie where the trees were killing people
2: the happening oh my yeah. gosh i watched that this past week it was the one of the it was his most ridiculous movie that I've seen. I'm sure he's done other even more ridiculous. But oh,
0: by the way, spoiler alert, <laughs> it's the
2: trees. <laughs> yeah. Which they figure out into the movie. Yeah. But, um, there's just, and even just, I'm like looking at, it, I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. This guy has to be. And it was just like, he has the exact same formula, I guess, that he uses yeah. for all of his movies. And it was good for a couple of them, but, um, it, it wore thin, and it just didn't work, and it was too much of the, uh, too much preachiness, I guess, yeah. at the end.
0: So the the reason that came to mind, because they, they were sort of like zombies, but only in instead of being intent on destroying, they were intent on self-destruction. Right. Um, and so it was kind of a little not at all like you were saying. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, my mind's been taken over, and I've lost all rational thought. But I know how to go and start this lawn tractor I've never seen before, and then get in front of it and lie down and let it kill me. Sorry, spoiler. Yeah. Um.
0: One of the worst <laughs> of the worst scenes. Yeah. Uh. Okay. And moving on. Linux. Uh. By the way, I, I, I wore my new everyday Linux shirt to the, uh, to the theater yesterday. Um. Just because. It was clean. Um, And I'm at the concession stands dropping $700 on popcorn. And the little high school guy uh, actually had to be college uh, behind the counter says, oh, what do you do with Linux? And I said, it's a podcast, everyday Linux podcast. You should check it out. Um, Google everyday Linux. And he said, yeah, I'm a computer science major and I learned Linux. And I thought, (laughs) just by the way he said that, pretty sure he didn't. Yeah. But.
1: Good try. I'll give him. I'll give him a good try. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway,
0: uh, moving on. Uh, we Linux Academy. Uh, excuse me, Linux Academy. Not had time yet. Uh, Everyday Linux is winning by attrition. Thank you, Linux sure. Outlaws. One of the biggest uh, pi, Linux. One of the oldest uh, Linux podcasts. They're they're folding up their doors and they're they're quitting. And so we win because they quit.
1: I will say. I, I have to say thanks for them because worth, without that. Podcast and a couple other ones, I probably wouldn't be sitting in this chair right now. So I will have to say thanks to them for for lighting that torch for me.
0: All right, my uh, my experience—excuse me, my experience with them was that I just couldn't handle the the vulgarity of it. I mean, they mm-hmm. celebrate vulgarity there, and that's fine if that's what you want to do. It's just not for me.
1: Everyone has their own cup of tea
2: so yeah I've, I've never listened to a complete episode of bear so i'm not i mean i've bits and pieces but i'm not super familiar
0: willing with, to bet they've never they listened to a complete episode of ours either
1: yeah. uh, i'm sure <laughs> probably well maybe with lots of cursing in it
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right we've we're into the half hour mark already so i'm going to skip these last couple and jump straight into listener feedback uh chow chow watch 2014 continues <laughs> Um, as we have two bits of feedback from both Paul and Dan. Uh, Paul starts out, Howdy, y'all! I thought I'd contribute my Texas chow-chow experience to the pile. I grew up in Colorado, but I spent at least a a month every summer staying with grandparents in central Texas. My maternal grandmother always put up a bunch of pint jars of chow-chow every year. She was from West Virginia, though, and I don't remember my other grandmother serving chow-chow. So we're narrowing it down. Not really. Chow Chow is really good on black-eyed peas, especially with a wedge of white onion. Though you have to be careful how strong the onion is. It's like a, I like a sweeter onion, like a walla walla or a vidalia. My Chow Chow recipe comes from... I just love the randomness of this email. My Chow Chow <laughs> recipe comes from my mom's aunt, who cooked for a rural high school in West Virginia way, way back in the day. This was pretty much before any major standard, so she could just whip stuff up for a couple hundred people from what was on hand. Her chow chow recipe included green tomatoes, onions, celery, red peppers, green peppers, and green cabbage. About half was tomatoes. Plus, of Mm. course, the top secret pickling solution. When I asked for her recipe, she sent me a list of ingredients with no quantities. When I asked for, you know, instructions, I could feel her roll her eyes from 2,000 miles away. Oh, dear Lord, do I have to explain everything to this moron? (laughs) To her, it was blindingly obvious how you just put stuff together in a reasonable amounts of everything and then tune it up at the end. She had mad skills. Love the show. Keep up the good work. And then Dan... Comments saying, Being of German descent, born and raised in the county in a county in Illinois, of which the majority is German descent, spending a significant amount of time in Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota, and living in several years in South Tennessee, the scenic city, and now living in central Texas, soon to be moving to South Texas, I've never heard of or seen Chow Chow. Huh. <laughs> so I got nothing. Uh we 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 three two native Texans and now three. Uh well, I guess he's not native to texas um have never heard of it but two other w- central texans have said they have we've heard had german descent we've now west virginia and and georgia and south carolina so who knows what the, the mystery of chow chow continues we, we yeah. the
2: everyday linux crew will discover this though you know there's One a lot of there's a lot of uh, german heritage in central texas right um
0: that's so why i he, think he pointed out the fact that he's of german heritage and have never heard of it
2: yeah, well, I am. Then, like I said, I am too, and I've never heard of it. So, okay, come on, we need to know the 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 everyday Chow Chow hunt is well on way still. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, um, in Paul's email, um, it was more tomatoes than cabbage. My experience was it was almost all cabbage. So, obviously, the definitions of Chow Chow vary.
2: Well, you know, we'll be able to trace it back and one, and the person who was like all cabbage came from like there was a drought one year that yeah. wiped out all of the tomatoes and all they had was cabbage and only a few tomatoes, so they thought I'll try this and then you know it and then so they they did that for a couple of years and forgot to go back. Yeah. So it'll and be And then something. we'll find
0: that sweet pickle relish is actually descendant of chow chow where they couldn't grow cabbage but they had plenty of cucumbers. Something like that.
2: Mm -hmm. Sounds like it. The unified theory of food is being (laughs) fleshed out. All right. So continuing on
0: with uh, Dan's comment, he had more to say. I said, also, Mark, I'm a bit behind on phones, but I couldn't agree more strongly. uh, I couldn't more strongly recommend Verizon. I've had them for at least 12 years and I've had very few places where I've ever had any issue with signal. That was true of me before I moved to Atlanta for AT&T. they are not the cheapest option, and in writing this, uh, I realized i 've probably spent over twenty thousand in phone bills o- over my time with them uh, i 've had the samsung galaxy s three for over two years, and when I upgrade i 'm going to it 's going to be an s five i 've enjoyed it so much. Also, backpacks. Not only have I carried a backpack to every job I've had since I began my uh, MS, Master of Science, I assume, only once with a suit, uh, my current company even gives you a backpack filled with your work assets on your first day. Thanks for wow. your excellent show.
1: Very cool. That is where cool. does he work? I want to go work where I can have a backpack <laughs> given to me.
0: <laughs> my my employee gave me a folder to keep all my hr paperwork in that's that's what they
1: gave me me too well mine is a really nice gold embossed folder no
0: mine was a trapper keeper (laughs) (laughs) yeah trapper
2: keepers are the bomb though yeah
0: actually the keeper was the notebook yeah it was the trapper folders that Uh special special slanted flap there it is (laughs) all right and moving on the next thing kevin felt the need to defend manjaro. Hey guys, longtime listener of the shows. I was even a guest on Tiwad Tech. Uh, your horrible review of Manjaro has prompted me to contact you as I've been using Manjaro for over a year on two PCs with very little issues. Both PCs are running the proprietary Nvidia drivers also. The proprietary video drivers will be automatically installed if you choose the correct option from the ISO boot menu. Manjaro has a nice wiki with detailed instructions for installing the video drivers. These two PCs are still running on the original installs, and I've only had two or three small breakages during normal system updates, which were all easily fixed by looking on the forums or chatting with someone on IRC. If you don't understand Pac-Man, then I can understand why you struggled with it and had so many issues. I switched from Mint slash Debian distros, and it was with a small learning curve from Synaptic APT that I switched to Manjaro on my PC customers' machines who I switch to Linux yes it's not for the brand new Linux user unless they have some help to su- uh, support them until they get familiar with the arch system. I would suggest that Chris and Seth give it another try. It's not uh, recommended the in- it is not recommended the install software to install software outside of the package manager. I've not yet able to been able to find a software package via Pac-man or AUR. I think he meant I've not not been able to. Google Chrome is also available from the AUR, so you can do Netflix. Manjaro is to Arch as Mint is to Ubuntu. Thanks for the great podcast. Uh, Kevin, I have no doubt that you think what you just wrote there was a strong defense of Manjaro. I would like to point out it is a huge indictment. Of Manjaro, <laughs> if the instruction is you have to pick the select the correct option from the ISO boot menu, and then go look at the wiki, and then talk to people in the IRC, and it's fine if you only use their stuff using their package manager, and it's only broken two or three times in the last year, that's not a defense of Manjaro, my friend. It's not.
1: No, and, and I would like you to go back and re-listen to my review. I said Manjaro is a great distrib. Distribu- ah, whatever it's distro. a great yeah, thank you it's a great distro f- uh if you have experience in linux and are able to then find the pro- the solutions for your problems if you're a new user i would suggest not using it um my laptops if you've listened to my show and through the for however many other 30 day challenges i've done my laptop has always had issues with lap with distros so it's not just manjaro that had the biggest problems um Yes, I will say Manjaro is an arch distribution like it is like mint is to ubuntu and Art manjaro is to arch, which is very a very good um core, cor analogy. That works too. Um but again, it's not for the faint of heart, which is what Manjaro is trying to show themselves are. So good try Kevin.
2: <laughs> hey Chris, I just thought to ask you, you know, you've mentioned you've always had trouble with Linux. Did you go into the BIOS and uncheck the break Linux by default option?
1: (laughs) I wish there was such a switch. But, yeah, no, there's been a couple of different things. Um, Through the years of of our show, I've had three different laptops that I've done these challenges with. And some different, you know, there's been two of them that I had to turn off. Uh, some of the power saving features in the BIOS in order for them to work, but it's always been a hit and miss. If that's a functionality that needs to be on or off, um, and it also varies very very greatly between distributions. So, uh, I wish I knew the magic bullet.
0: <laughs> I think it as much as I love the the freedom and co- and configurability that the Linux desktop gives me, it just illustrates how far we are from where we want to be.
1: And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we don't have base level access to, you know, even some of the base BIOS code for yeah. Linux to be able to hook into like Windows does. Um, so I think it's just a cry for having more. We need more access to that lower level equipment to make any distribution or any operating system function better.
0: Yeah, and I don't think it's so much that say Microsoft has access to um, BIOS code so they can write to it. It's the other way around. BIOS manufacturers write code to Windows.
1: Yep. Yeah, um, it's the same idea we had with back with the Win modems of right. what ni- the nineties, where if you didn't, you had to buy a modem that wasn't running by the drivers of Windows for Linux to work. Right.
0: And it's still true um, for printers. There oh, are yeah. printers that are so dumb they can't work with anything but windows because windows does all the work and that's not because they have some sort of um microsoft has some sort of a relationship with these people it's that microsoft has released an api and the windows the printer manufacturers have just decided to write to that api
1: yep same thing with scanners there's that's another one that has issues is scanners printers and the old wind modems yeah
0: twain largely fixed that problem but not completely
1: yeah yeah there's still a lot of um, especially if you go get a brand new scanner. I notice that a lot of the brand new ones, Twain just doesn't have a... It, it tries, but it just never makes it all the way. So I, I'm, I'm hoping eventually someday that we will have you know, perfect scanning in Linux, too.
0: All right. Uh, last one. Dave needs a local alternative to Dropbox says, thank you for doing this podcast. I've enjoyed it greatly, although it did make me kind of sad because I really want to try your perfect cold brew coffee recipe. However, I'm also trying to break my coffee addiction. Choices we have to make. Um, (laughs) Anyway, I would love to hear your best solution, read easiest, for getting a dedicated, low-powered, always-on device attached to a NAS. I could uh, use... I could use to break my that I could use to dra- break my Dropbox addiction. I have used Linux for several years and am comfortable with the command line. Yet SSH still remains mysterious and slightly intimidating to me. Uh, I'm assuming I could should use BT Sync, but do you have any specific suggestions? Tunido? Uh buy uh, and adapt a Synology device. Own cloud? Thanks, Dave from Bonneville, Alberta, Canada. Huh. Um, Dave, there used to be the perfect device for that. It was the pogo plug. Yep. I have one. If you can go on eBay and find an old pogo plug, that will solve your problem. Because uh, the cloud service still works. It, however, the pogo plug company no longer sells or even acknowledges the devices. They, uh, you go to their website and they're selling a Dropbox-like service. Um, so, but the that would be the the perfect solution what i have done in my scenario is my buffalo router running um ddwrt has a usb port on it and i just stuck a hard drive on that that i can access from anywhere using secure protocols so that's how i've solved that problem chris any
1: suggestions i think you i think he's already hit on the the magic bullet for him if he wants to get rid of dropbox i think he needs to go with bt sync um, for those that don't know, BT Sync is um, a BitTorrent Sync is the long name for it. And it uses the same protocols that BitTorrent uses to do file sharing. Um, it's encrypted. It's safe. Uh, I've not moved to it yet because I don't need that synchronizing files anymore. Uh, I only have, besides this shows files, I have about a handful of files that sit in the cloud server, you know, in, in a drive that synchronizes with the cloud. Uh so and that's that's I, what
0: he what I sense he's wanting here. He wants to be able to access his files from over the web. So yep. setting up an SSH server on, you know, a Poga, on a on a Raspberry Pi device would totally or do or that.
1: even or even a secure FTP. Right. I mean yeah. if he doesn't need synchronizing, that's the that's the kicker there. If he doesn't if he needs synchronizing, you need something like BT sync. If you don't need synchronizing and you just want access to those files remotely, look into the FTP programs. Um they're not hard to set up, they're really easy to to push through a f- to poke a hole in the firewall to get them to to show up um outside. You can make them as secure as you want or as insecure as you want. Uh so with we need a little bit more information, Dave, if you want a a better answer from us. But, uh, if you're looking at synchronizing state, look more towards, uh, BT sync, uh, own cloud may be an option too, but you're going to need to pay money for a host somewhere because you pre- I, I would almost bet money that your personal connection to the internet doesn't have enough upload to handle that type of connection easily. Yeah. Uh, so
0: here's what I think I would do. Were I starting all over again? I would buy a $30 Raspberry Pi. I would hook it up to a USB storage device of some sort. Um, I would run rsync from my laptop to that device with a, a scheduled task to run, I don't know, three or four times a day that I knew my laptop would be on. Um, and so it would sync up the cloud just as rsync does very efficiently over the local network. And then the Raspberry Pi would has a, have a secure FTP server on it. That's a solution that would cost you 50 bucks um and hard it be, drives it would be always on yes you got to pay for the storage um i mean depending on how much storage you need right a 32 gig thumb drive these days is $15 um so it just it just depends on what you need
2: so or uh, the ssd card that goes in the raspberry pi i mean you can get humongous ssd true. cards now yep. the micro or mini or whatever size it is so that would give you
0: something that's always on always waiting and has limited sync. It's not automatic sync. It would just be on a schedule um, and uh, would, would work um, pretty much anywhere you are, very low power. That, that's what I think is the custom solution I would do based on what you just laid out.
1: The, you know, another option would be is to look into something that does uh, shared hosting, you know, where, where you have access to, set, to be able to set up an own cloud. You know, I, we don't know what the price range is, so this, this yeah. is kind of a hard question so if the, if money is not that big of an issue and you don't have a problem setting up an own cloud um, setup using the an, an internet server that you own or a rent, um, that would be a solution as well. You would be able to get away from Dropbox using cloud syncing program or the BitTorrent sync on the on that little rented server. you wouldn't really care how much it you know access would be for https or http because you're not using it all you're using it for is a is a network storage device that's on the internet instead of in somebody's you know own servers
0: and of course you know if your space requirements aren't huge dropbox for 100 bucks a year you get a terabyte um the the, the tinfoil hat people will will remind you that it's not secured but you can always encrypt it going out there are lots mm-hmm. of drop-in devices that do that and um that's that's a really good relatively inexpensive solution and, and and it's the one i use for everything doing with this show then you have the ability to uh share things with other people with a link instead of having to punch holes in the firewall and, and teach mm-hmm. them how to to ftpn and all that sort of stuff so it, you know
1: you, I, I have two more options that he could do instead of if he wants to get away from dropbox um The one, the first one I'm going to say is, you know, the the whole reason I like this one is because of the fact that it has a Linux client is copy.com. 15 gigs when you sign up. It's a great little service. It's run by Barracuda. Um, they say it's secure and protected, but who knows how proof, you know, how much of truth that is. The other one, and they're cheap too for if you want more than 15 gigs. The other one is a little bit more expensive. But is been proven that it's a, um, encrypted both in transit and on, on their storage device is Spider Oak. Right. Um, they sell, you know, and they price accordingly that they don't have access to anything. So when you go look at their pricing, don't, you know, you're going to have to realize that it's, it's quite a bit more expensive for even just a hundred gigs. Um, one of their options, I'm um, looking at their website right now, their pricing option is you get two gigs for nothing, but if you want more than two gigs, it's going to be $10 a month for a 100 gigs or more. Um, so we need some more information, but all of the solutions that I've said do have Android, um, iPhone, Linux, or Windows components, so you could get to your stuff no matter where you are.
0: And one of the reasons that I wanted to put this here is because I think it perfectly illustrates the topic of this show. The title, It Was Fun While It Lasted. Everything we just suggested here is almost entirely operating system agnostic. Yep. And in fact, um, own cloud, uh, Spider Oak, Dropbox, these things, uh, the Raspberry Pi solution I did, can be done on a phone or a tablet um, as well. So. Does Linux matter anymore? That's the discussion point uh, that we're going to debate. This is one another, another one of those no answers, just questions show. I want to kick around the idea that, uh, not that not that Linux itself doesn't matter, but that OS doesn't matter. That the, the laptop desktop OS is, is going to be irrelevant. Microsoft certainly thinks that way. They've been trying to move in that direction so that the palm top is their only OS. Uh, Apple seems to be moving in that direction. Even Ubuntu is trying to move in that direction by making everything the uh, the tabletification of the OS, as I've uh, complained about in the past. So be thinking about that while I tell you that while Linux still is relevant, you can learn to use it using our friends over there at linuxacademy.com. Now, all my discussions uh, and the discussions going forward are going to be uh, about desktops. The servers are always going to matter. Right? Even if the whole world moves to the cloud, the cloud doesn't mean magical fairy dust in the sky. It means servers running stuff. And if you want to be a server admin, you've got to know stuff. Our friends over at the Linux Academy, that's their whole gig. Their job is to teach you how to be a Linux administrator running servers and stuff. And they do that by the way of, of step-to-step video courses. That's how it all began. But it's so much more than just courses now. Uh, I think one, really one of the, the crown jewels uh, in their, their offerings is their lab platform where you can run up to four machines simultaneously. Servers in the cloud that you can play with. Uh, you get... Um, you know, graphical environments, but you also get the command line stuff that we were talking about. And you could play with these things in real-world, safe, rubber-room sort of environments so that if you blow something up, it doesn't matter. It's virtual. Just hit the reset button and start over again. It's a safe place to practice without blowing anything up. And I never had that growing up. And I have hosed many a configuration trying to figure out what I'm doing. Their, their lab platform uh, gives you a safe playground. But aside from all of that, there's the hands-on stuff. They've also got, also got tons of, of study guides and quizzes for you paper guys out there. I'm not a paper guy, but I know you exist. There are people out there who can't learn something until they've read it and written it. And the PDF study guides and the, the practice quizzes and all those things are great for you. So they've got you covered. They've got the tautology. They've got the step-by-step instructions. Follow this and watch what I do. They've got the doing it yourself in the labs scenario. And they've got the, the verbal uh, visual Uh, learners covered too. Uh, However you learn, they've got you covered with high quality content, independently certified high quality content. And one of their newest features that I think is just awesome is the uh, um, learning plan system where you tell them When you're available, you tell them X number of days, the uh, hours a day that you're available and what you want to learn. And based on that, it gives you lessons and quizzes and labs and that they're due in the days that uh, they're due. They'll even send you an email reminder that you have items due on that day. So you get up in the morning and as as you're... Mentally going through your day, you can say, oh, yeah, after I'm, I'm done with work and after I've picked the kids up from from karate or whatever, um, I've also got to the, do these two quizzes and uh, and do this lab experiment to, to stay on track with where I wanted to be. So it's your own personal learning coach, so to speak. Um, and based on your availability, they'll give you a project uh, completion date, uh, projected completion date of the course. And, 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 you know, they'll build in some time for studying and that sort of stuff. So you can say, I want to take... This new course, for example, for for example, for example, uh, you could say I want to take the deploy and manage OpenStack on Ubuntu. Wait a minute, that's not just Linux. That's other stuff too. They've got more than just Linux learning out there. But say you want to take that course, and you say I'm available three hours a day, two days a week. Well, they'll build that plan out for you and say you'll finish this course in probably three to four months would be my guess. Uh, and you're all ready to go. You've also got that. just recently launched a, a Git uh, lab and, and, and get um, their, their own Git server and a lab. So you can, you can learn Git start to finished. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know what that is, but I know it's a thing that I heard that a her. Wow. I can't talk today that I hear programmer types talking about. Apparently Git is this thing that's important. You can learn about it over at linuxacademy.com. And you and this learning, not only is it high quality, but it's cheap. I know that doesn't seem to make sense, right? Cheap means like low quality. It's a synonym. No, it's not. It's inexpensive. 25 bucks a month is your, the most you'll ever pay. That's their basic, I just want to try it out for one month plan. So you want to pay monthly, no commitment, $25 a month. That is world-class learning for the price of a pizza. But if, you, if you're if you ready to commit and you want to buy a chunk, you could buy three months for only $20 a month or with a real big savings just like anything else. The more you buy, the more you save. $199 uh, buys you a year up front, and that breaks down to just under $17 a month. It's It may seem steep, but it's not. Prom- I promise you. You're not going to find better content at this price anywhere on the Internet today. And when you go, use the code EverydayLinux and let them know that we sent you there.
1: Yeah, there you go. The nice thing I always like about the the this our particular advertiser this this guy these guys right now, um I really like the fact that they're always showing you not just one way of doing it but the the GUI line and the and the command line way. So definitely take a look at them with all the new features now. I'm actually thinking about going over and signing up for some more learning because it never hurts to learn some more. So let them know that Everyday Linux sends you when you go over to sign up for Linux Academy. Yeah, they're
2: really awesome because if you have a question, you can email them and they get back to you Uh and not like, you know, every third Tuesday of the month between 10 and 10 10.01 a.m. But, you know, they'll respond to your emails like the longest it ever took for me to get a reply back was like a day.
0: I never I didn't get that from my professors in college. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, me neither.
0: <clears throat> so just a, a quick aside. It's not going to be quick because nothing I do is quick. Uh, I have gotten in the recent past comments about the the ads being too long and taking up too much of the show. Um, and You're certainly welcome to that opinion. You're also welcome to fast forward through them. But I would just like to point out that our one ad a week or two, if I decide to do something for Amazon or or Audible, uh, might take up 10 minutes of a 90-minute show. Um, Television shows are typically 20 minutes out of an hour. And radio is sometimes thirty minutes out of an hour. So, you know, it's it's just the way it is. It's how the bills get paid and I try to respect your time, but also
2: there's gonna be ads. Sorry. But I mean, it's a Linux podcast. We gotta talk about Linux some way, Mark. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes the ad is the only time we do. <laughs> Funny.
0: So let's dive into this topic. I have no discussion points. I, I, this is just a freewheeling, uh, saying things that we don't understand because that's what we're best at um, with with regards to the relevance uh, and of desktop Linux. Let's restrain our conversations to desktop Linux, but because I think the future yep. for server Linux is going to skyrocket and is skyrocketing. It's not. It's not going to. It has been for years because as as you know, the whole cloud thing, like this OpenStack thing that we were just talking about, that is that is a package based on Unisys. I don't know if it's necessary all Linux. Um, but these systems are built that you're designed to, to deploy quickly and easily and manage uh, easily um, for these cloud services. As everything moves to the cloud, what is the cloud? Well, the cloud is a room full of servers somewhere. Um, at the you know the database system I work uh, with, uh, one of my clients asked, "How big is the computer that this is, this is on?" And it made me chuckle. It's not a computer; it's dozens to hundreds of computers. Um, but the end user doesn't know that; doesn't need to know that. I don't know what Dropbox's data center looks like, but I'm sure it's several large, inconveniently large rooms across the country. Um, with you know geeks in in coats because it's cold in there, uh, tuning them and tweaking them here and there, all that stuff is going to run on Linux. If it doesn't already, it's going to. Windows certainly has a large um, server market share, and there, you know when you get into the really big guns, there's other things out there. But so let's this whole discussion forget Linux on the server. I'm talking about Linux on the desktop slash laptop. Is there a future for desktop Linux? Seth, you first.
2: Well, mainstream, the answer is no, because everybody is is herding their cattle slash end users to the cloud to something where they can, you know, they won't be happy until they are able to take your blood pressure and measure how much oxygen you consume with every breath. But for the uh, tinfoil hat and body wrap people, I think Linux will be greatly important because it's going to be the last bastion of people who, you know, and again, I'm not talking, you know, out to bomb and blow up little kids. I'm just talking about people who don't want other people to know what they're doing because they're privacy minded. You can you can see what's going on and you can kind of do your own thing. So for mainstream. The future of Linux for the end user is very bleak. It, but I mean, even
0: but even though Seth, so the the if you're talking like we had the whole discussion about having your own uh, service, right? I mentioned uh, Pogo Plug. All the things that we mentioned were not desktop Linux. They might have had Linux at their kernel. For example, the Raspberry Pi is going to run on some variation of Linux, most likely, but it's not desktop Linux. So I think even the tinfoil hat people, people, gosh, I cannot speak today. Even the, the tinfoil hat crowd is not going to be using desktop Linux in 15 years.
2: Well, but if you don't want to have – if you don't want to be editing a document on the cloud, be that Google Docs or, you know, Microsoft – uh, okay. office right. 365. I if you that. want to work on something on your local machine, you're either going to have a really old machine still running Windows XP, uh, or maybe Windows seven, or you're going to have Linux that you can do something that's just on your machine. I don't think there will be another alternative other than, you know, one of the four billion and counting Linux. Um, I think
1: it's it. be shorter, than, less, right. shorter I, than that. I, accept I think, that I think less Chris, than Chris, what do you years, think? We're going to end up being in a world where. People don't have desktops sitting on their machine on their desks anymore. We're gonna have flat panels and tablets, or something similar of the next level of tablets, where it's the uh, paper screen that rolls out. That you know we've seen at a couple of CESs where the desktop is gone. It's all done through this little piece of paper as it reaches through the internet to get to you know large server farms that are doing all the work. The only hiccup with that. Thought or any of these thoughts about when is the OS going to be I- irrelevant is bandwidth. When is the bandwidth going to be there to, to say, you know, movie edit something, you know, on, on, cause you can't do it on your phone. It, most of that stuff is end up, it, yeah, yet, but why? Why put the strain on the phone yet. when you can upload your video to a server farm, render it in half the time, and then put it back onto your phone? The limitation is bandwidth.
0: Well, here's 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 what I think the why is because it's not going to be your phone; it's going to be a tablet. And modern the the iPad, whatever generation they're up to right now, <laughs> is more powerful yeah. than like the first six computers I ever owned. It's true. It is. Um, as as local storage gets even more. Cheap uh, in terms of of uh, SD storage and things like that. Those are going to be built in as we as we crack the battery problems. We're getting better at that. Um, I think that you're going to have a full on workstation in a thin portable device. Uh, will it be Apple? I don't know. Will it be Android? I don't know. Maybe it'll be something we haven't even heard of yet. BlackBerry's not out of the out of the running, or so they say. Uh, but I think that in the next decade. We're gonna see these devices that are every bit. Of, I mean, take the the iPad Air, uh, not the iPad Air, the Mac um, Air, right? That laptop is less powerful than the newest Mac, uh, newest iPad. Like the the iPad Air that you bought. Gosh, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, <laughs> the, Mac that's the MacBook Air. You're the, right. What's the
0: thing? What's the one I'm thinking of? Their expensive netbook. What are they? Yeah, called? the MacBook Air. It's the MacBook Air. There we go. So the MacBook Air, the first generation MacBook Air, and the current generation um, iPad, yeah, the, the iPad trumps the MacBook in terms of specs and power. Now there were several years intervening there, right? But that's where I think we're going to be. That the that there's not going to be a. De- I don't. I don't use a desktop anymore. Everything I do is laptops, and it's all you know—they're uh, thin and light, and um, and only slightly bigger than the generation one iPads. They're certainly not the the Toshiba Portage that I had with the the, that, the screen that flipped around and had about an hour and a half of battery life. So that's the direction we're going, and I don't I don't think that any of those are going to run Linux as we know it. They will—they will have Linux at their core. But I don't think there's See, going, Mark, to what I think it's going to be the kind in, of I, Linux to take part and play with. The reason I'm saying this
1: because of where I am right now, my my current job. They're actually looking at a way to do tablets, like super tab, the the super tablets, the Surface Threes or something like that, where they have a docking station where they when they're not in the field they dock it, have a full computer operating system, and then when they need to go to the field or go out to wherever they're going, is they take it with them. That is one of the things they're looking at doing. And I can see that. I can see that for teachers, for policemen, for doctors, for your mom that sits down and all she ever does is do crossword puzzles and go shopping. That makes sense. Why have a device that is, you know, or even for that matter, why not your phone? You know, dock it into a position.
2: Do you remember the, yep. uh, the what was the Motorola 8? A- Atrix, I think you had a phone that plugged into a dock, a dock. The problem was the hardware was too puny to do it. But now you take maybe not this generation top of the line, whether you want to do Apple or Samsung or something else. But in one or two generations, the amount of power in your hand is going to be more than enough to render On a 21 inch flat screen monitor with no problem. That'll, that'll just be like the dock and maybe an additional hard drive for storage. That's the future. You're going to walk around with your computer that can make, well, nobody uses the phone anymore, but can send messages or whatever. And then you're going to be able to plug it in wherever you want for, you know, the full desktop experience to, you know, watch a video full screen to edit something thing. And it's not going to matter what the os is because everything is going to be the app you know it's it's going to be your os is going to be dependent on which ecosystem you're a part of you know apple's got their seamless integration across devices google is working on that microsoft is working on that blackberry would kill to get that uh and so in that sense the os will matter because you'll either be an apple fanboy you'll be a google lover you know or you'll be some windows weirdo out there and uh so and and let's that-
0: let's go uh, a little more mindshare uh take that what you're talking about and go a little more into the mindshare realm uh, yeah. uh comcast right now is selling their xfinity os right it's not an os but the average person doesn't know what an os is so they can brand it the xfinity os and nobody will know the difference you know, it's a Linux box running their crappy uh, DVR software, preloaded with some stuff. Um, but so the average person now knows what an OS is, but not in that term. I ask people, "What operating yeah. system do you run?" They say, "I don't know." Well, is it Windows? And they, or, they don't or my, care. Oh, it's Windows. Uh, which version are you running? I don't know. Okay, in the bottom corner is in the bottom right corner is there a circle or a, stop, a start button? It's a circle. Okay, yeah. it's Windows Seven. Uh, no, so, that's
2: Office Seven, Mark. They're running yeah, Office Seven. Office Seven. Okay,
0: so I, I think we're already. This is, other than the you know the the, the geeks like us, uh, we're the last holdout. But I think in time, even we're going to fade away because we won't need it anymore. When I when I no longer need, um, and to interact with an OS, I won't because I'm not that geeky into it just to do it for the fun. Those people will always be there. The Linux kernel will always yeah. be there. The Linux based OSs will always be there. But they're going to be so marginalized. That they're, they're going to go back to the days of the neck beards in the lab. Um, that, that's my prediction. And, and I don't think it's a bad thing because the desktop has always been a losing battle. Yeah, I think so
1: too. What I think um, should be entertaining I think though it's better is to that we see, focus on the, on the, um, how far the different phone OS's go and what's going to come next. Cause, you know, Android and iOS, you know, they, they are, I would say close to parity, if not, Exactly, parody. So, what's going to be the next big thing? What's going to break those two? You know, what's going to knock them off their pedestal and say, here is the latest and greatest. This is the new thing because that's when we lose the desktop. When the desktop is gone, is when we have something that is no longer Android, iOS specific, but it's the next layer. Right. Right. But no one knows about it. And there's a
0: team of people in a garage working on that right now. <laughs>
2: exactly, man. And then Facebook will buy them for one hundred and seventeen you know, billion what the dollars. Is, that's going to
1: be just because I, I'm curious to find number. out how much Facebook ends up sticking around for, because they have been purchasing stuff like crazy just to stay relevant. Do you? I mean, is that where is that where we're going to end up going? Is is a Facebook esque type model where somebody behind the screen is controlling what's showing up on our feed?
2: yes i mean yeah, un- I th- uh, yeah unfortunately <laughs> the answer to that question is yes because people well people are not <laughs> brilliant in large quantities
1: <laughs> definitely even yeah. even smart
0: or people in large, large, quantities large quantities become dumb brain uh, trust, welcome usually. to the government um
2: Yeah. yeah. Here, here's your rule for group intelligence. Take the highest person there and divide that by the number of people in the group. <laughs> and that's your average intelligence. So if you have, if you have somebody with a 200 IQ leading a group of 10 people, your group IQ is 20. That's, that's about, that's the way, that's my scientific representation. <laughs> and if he's mentality. leading a group I was of say, 300 people, the way I always look at it is
1: mob is a mob. Pretty much. And the mob will always get blood. So the question will be is are you the one that's giving the blood or not? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so I we've pivoted there but I'm I'm going to oh. chase this rabbit. Uh I think Facebook is actually the future of computing. Not specifically Facebook as we know it. But that company is here to stay in the same way that Microsoft became the future of computing. They were a bunch of weird guys with long beards uh, there in, in California. They, they became the dominant force. I think that Zuckerberg and his team are going to do that. It's not going to be through a social media app. Like you say, Seth, they're buying everything. They're, they're, they're girding their loins, uh, to, to throw back to your uh, thing a couple of weeks ago. They're building their arsenal, and they're going to put together this, you know, whatever it's going to be. It's going to be this, you know, this junkyard robot of a, of a thing compiled, comprised of all these things that they bought, and the world's going to go, whoa, I didn't even know I wanted that, but I, I do. That That's, I, I would love to be wrong about that, but I, I think Zuckerberg is too I, smart I you're horribly to wrong, just write his own I really do, pony into the... Into Facebook, uh, to
1: me, you know, and I've tried, but I, I just... Can't stand Facebook, but that's you know that that's just my personality. But I mean that's that's one of those things that I will not open up unless I absolutely have to. Um, I hope there's something better. I hope there's I hope there's something better.
0: And, and right, like I said, no, I don't but, think it's going to have any. It's not going to bear any resemblance to the Facebook as we know it. In this, in this, in the same way that Ford, in many ways, has no resemblance to the Ford Company. <laughs> that they used to be you know if they were still selling model t's they they wouldn't be relevant they've pivoted so many times um you know hp is another great example how many things has hp been over the years i really think facebook is going to be that's the only way they're going to survive but that's how any company is in this this world right now
1: is if you if you can't pivot then you're dead Evernote is
0: another company that I'm watching very closely. They're they're going to whatever it is, however the the earthquake tumbles things, they're going to find themselves standing on top of a pile of rubble. they, they they're just they're the the makeup of the company is such that they always find the, their way to the top. Um, and you think of them as a as a note taking app, but they're way more than that. And I think that company, you know, the note taking app is just one thing. Google. No. Again, Google is, yeah, is they've been ad people think of them years. as a search company. They've not. They've never really been a search company. They're an ad company. Um, but they're also looking at, you know, robotics and all that sort of stuff. That's the way companies are going right now. They're looking not for now. I mean, they're they're making money now, but they're looking to the future. So it may be a Google, Facebook, Evernote triumvirate that that dictates... The new thing, I don't think Apple's going to be relevant in 20 years, and I don't think Microsoft will be relevant in 20 years. Those companies have had their stay. I don't, th- I don't know if they're too, they're, to too turn,
1: would say they're too big to turn, but I would say they need to break up That's to be able to turn. You know what I'm saying? If, if there's a way for them, like, for, well, let's, di- let's dissect Microsoft a little yeah. bit. If Microsoft would be able to break apart, you know, just and say, the operating system is this ship, the office suite is this ship, the server system is this ship and be able to pivot on their own without the other ones going with, then Microsoft will survive because we'll always need a word processing spreadsheet type program that's never going to go away. It may change its face a little bit, but we'll always need the ability to write something or to do large calculations. Um, We'll always need an operating system of some form or another for us to interact with, be it a phone, a tablet, VR, or some weird chip in your head that then interacts with the world. There'll always be some form of that. So the, the better question is, is how are these companies going to make those pivots? Because with them being a large ship, they're going to sink. And the sooner they realize that, the better. Um, Evernote, for example, they, they've been able to pivot. They've been able to change and they've been able to redirect anything that's been gone their way, which is why, Mark, I agree with you. I think they'll, they'll be, the cream that floats to the top no matter what happens. Um, some people use them and some people don't. I don't ever have a use case for them, but, uh, but that's what that, that's what keeps them alive is the fact that they're able to pivot. So, yeah.
0: But I, I think what's telling here is in all three of our pictures of the Because desktop is, isn't as much as an issue anymore. You know, look at the gaming systems
1: the nowadays. They were stuck in an arcade they're now trans they're now squeezed down to a dvd sized game that sits in a box that's the same has the same power as your you know as your tablet or your big monster computer they're going to keep getting smaller and or they're going to have more bandwidth that can be coming from a large server farm look at um for example of that you could look at some of the newer games like destiny or borderlands a lot of that code isn't done local. It's done on the server side. So, you know, the, there again, your gaming is not localized. Um,
0: yeah. So in a few years, or, the show... Or is we'll just
1: take the Linux moniker yesterday. off and just be um, us three guys. Us three guys.
2: <laughs> Every day. <laughs> No, we'll just be EDL. That'll just be the right. show. EDL, yeah. you know, KFC. Like Kentucky
0: Free Chicken. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. You know, Federal Express just became FedEx. So everyday Linux has everyday become. Everyday lives. And, uh, we'll go right on talking about, you know, we have to take bacon out of there because we haven't had a good bacon story in a while, right. but, um, random so, stuff.
0: W- when that day comes, chris i know you will be and and i certainly will too i'm gonna have a box in my house running some flavor of linux you know it, it, whether it's my media center or my uh, you know ftp server or whatever there's going to be something there because i'm an yep. enthusiast i'm going always going to be doing that. i'm always going to have a command prompt nearby uh seth i'm not so sure about that for you what do you think
2: no, I will have a box to to tinker on. I mean, you know, I I tinker but not at the same level of you or Chris. But, you know, I, I pull stuff out and I've had to reinstall an OS many a times because I wonder <laughs> what happens if I do this. So, yeah, I will oh, have something. Oh, that's what that happens. Break
1: yeah. out the uh, Time v- to um, format, <laughs>
2: reinstall, do da, do da. Yeah. I'm very familiar with that song. So, yeah, I, I'll have one.
0: And so the enthusiasts, right, the Radio Shack guys are always going to be there. The hams, we're we're going to, the Linux Not enthusiasts to, are going to be in the same category as the ham radio operators. We're going to be in our basements with esoteric equipment, having conversations that normal people can't understand, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But what's, what, the only thing that concerns me about desktop Linux going away is, is that then there's no entry point for somebody to get into server Linux because lots of people who run Linux servers now got their start tinkering with a Linux desktop, and people aren't going to have reason to crank up a Linux Forever. server because those services their their devices won't even interface with it, right? So well, that's, there w-
2: there will be a need for fewer and fewer people. I mean, remember when components were so expensive that you would. You know, you would desolder the resistor or the transistor off the board and put a new one on. And now that's not worth your time. You just throw the whole board away and put a new one in. It's going to be, it doesn't matter that that's broken. We'll just put in another one. That one's defective. No problem. We'll just grab another one because they're all going to be just swap. And unfortunately, there won't be a need for the number of people because everything is going to be such a commodity consumable device.
0: All right, so quick story. 1994, I'm in a job interview uh, with this uh, computer repair place, and uh, they're hiring a new tech, and I'm in the interview, and they give me a scenario, and they say, based on this scenario, how do you resolve that? And I said, well, I would probably check the timing crystal. I would replace that and see if that did it, and if that's not it, it might be one of the dim sockets uh, because it was before SIMS. Um, that might be, need to be replaced. And as I was going through my litany, the guy stopped me and said, no, replace the motherboard. That's the answer to that question. I was like, well, no, you asked me how I would fix it. I'm not going to replace yeah. a motherboard. Those things are expensive. I'm going to replace the $3 component instead. But you yep. know, that's that thinking doesn't even exist. Now you don't replace yeah. the motherboard. You replace the that's, computer.
1: That's the way yeah, the world is going to go. We're going to get to the point where our throwaway society is going to get to the point where we throw away everything. Just the way it seems to be going. Oh.
0: So, Chris, I think I stepped nope. on a comment you were going to make. Do you remember what it was? No. All right. Uh, Seth, your, your comment about desoldering reminded me, just a little history factoid. No, it's a fact. Um, settlers on the Great Migration West used to burn down their houses to get the nails back because nails were expensive and hard to get. Wood was hmm. cheap. You could go cut down a tree and get wood. So they'd pack up all their stuff, they'd burn their houses down, they'd go through the ashes and pick up all the nails, and then go build another house. So, you know, that, that just sort of sort of illustrates the disposable mentality as it's it's gone by. You wouldn't even think about, I mean, you you bend a 16-penny nail hammering something up. You throw it yeah. away and don't even think about it. You reach in your pocket where there's a, a hundred more. Um that's in the in the construction world you know we've moved to that point now in the computer world my my screen on my phone cracked i'm going to throw it away and get a new phone instead of replacing a piece of glass um so when when that mentality moves to everything we do and and we've been talking about the the tablets and the the palm tops let's oh. let's look at the um the Siri-like devices, the the Google Now device. What's this new thing? I can't remember the name of it. Amazon. It's essentially a, oh, it's essentially Google Now, a box that sits in your living room that you can talk to. Um, it just came out. Uh, it's on if you go to the Amazon website, or at least yesterday it was there, um, and they were advertising it. Echo, the Amazon Echo, um, and it's uh, they're trying to get into the. It's not quite home automation yet. But we've, we, have, we haven't even talked about that. The, the fact that not only is the, the desktop going to go away, but the palm top and, and the tablet is just yeah. going to be an interface to the larger computer. Your house is going to be your computer.
1: I think that eventually we'll get there. Don't you think? Um, I, don't I mean, I, win, think that, I think that. I think eventually.
0: I mean, when you're building a house or when you're retrofitting a house, there's going to be a, a black box in the basement. And that will be Jarvis. <laughs> and you will interact with that machine via, via touch panels and voice recognition, things like that. And you won't change channels by using a remote because you know, right. there won't be a TV specifically. That will just be one of the devices. That I can't you wait. Know, one to of, you will, you will move whatever you want awesome. to whatever we'll display to is nearest you.
1: Verbally or gesture something in and out, that's going to be a fun time. Um, and uh, then it'll go from novelty. You know, it'll start out in novelty because that's the way all this stuff starts out. But uh, I think you know with what smarter things is doing, we'll eventually get to that home automation level. where we will have Jarvis where we can just go, "Hey Jarvis, start me a box of popcorn," and y'all.
2: <laughs> I remember when I was your age and I had to spend thirty minutes programming Speaking my universal remote. Anyone, you kids <laughs> today have, to have it so easy.
1: Before? That's like now a get off my bag. lawn never no so i
0: mean i I think this is it's definitely the future but i don't i think i'm going to be around to see it i think we're talking 20 years or less where the the paintable surfaces in your house will be screens will be display devices um the transparent windows will be display devices and you will say i want to watch rocky 17 and the windows behind you will black out and the wall in front of you will start showing the movie. Because um, those technologies exist now. They're in their infancy. But technology moves really fast. And I, I think that that's another reason the desktop computer, yeah. desktop Linux, is going to go away because nobody's going to even remember what a desktop computer is. Yep. The, the house will be the computer. The car will be the computer, which will talk back to your house. Um, and and yep. maybe not even the house. Maybe it's in a cloud somewhere and you're just linked to it. Um, and then you've got iRobot all over again, where the, Would I, the you know, blue, glowing mannequins start attacking I'm people. I'm going to
1: chase the whole transparent windows really quick. I want the electric windows. You know, the ones that you see where you, you tap them and they go translucent and you tap them again, they're transparent. I want some of those. Those are I, I will. I want them like now, though. They're expensive, but I You'll really, really want them. They're so cool. Have you ever played with them at all, Mark or Seth? No. Uh,
0: the only thing I played with was a chunk of window that was that uh, turns dark when it got heated. So That's that when the pretty, west sun cool. this was on your a your windows, light switch. it would just automatically tint. So
1: flip a light switch, sw- you know, basically a, or a toggle button. It, it was set up as a light switch for demonstration. But you would flip a light switch, and then it would look like your bathroom mirrors or your bathroom shower windows where you can't see through them. They're just you know cloudy, and you would flip a switch again, and they're clear. The, it was the coolest thing.
0: And I've seen some, those on television.
2: And then some, you know, bored fifteen-year-old kid <laughs> in Taiwan is going to be there changing your window in the middle <laughs> of a shower, and uh, you know, so and that's going to be the next ransomware: pay us, or everyone will see you showering. <laughs>
1: yep. Because nobody wants and to then see you'll this go, no, showering pay gig. me. Sorry.
2: Um, so. Uh. That's right.
0: Yep. So just, you know how you play the fortune cookie game where you put in bed at the end right. of a fortune cookie? My daughter's fortune oh. cookie today that said, said somebody is watching you from afar changes that whole
1: theme dramatically. Really bad, bad
0: things. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. I think we have come to a natural lull in the conversation about this. I, we agree that Linux, desktop Linux is dead. But the future for server Linux and um, niche device Linux, I think it,
1: my 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 final, my final thought talking. on this whole thing is it'll end up going to the hobbyists, the the back you know the, the backyard tinkerer guys. That's where it'll end up going. Is we'll we'll have people that are sitting in their backyard building things just because they can build things with it.
0: Right. and But it's not today. You know, uh, people have been saying Flash is dead for years, and still most websites use Flash. So when I say yeah. Linux is dead, I don't mean that it's gone right now, but its days are numbered. Yeah, But I really it- think uh, – I'm, I'm sorry, Seth, uh, you were going to say –
2: no, I was gonna say when this is finally the year of the <laughs> Linux desktop. You know, that's the last year of the desktop. <laughs> yes,
0: that's it. Yeah, when that that dovetails was what I was gonna say. Linux on the desktop was never going to be, as much as I like it and use it all the time. It was never going to be a mass yeah. thing. It just, it just, its days were numbered the day it began desktop linux um
1: yep. it, but server embedded linux, linux. systems embedded Appliance systems will be around linux. forever that's and the ever future. and ever yeah
0: and uh, in the same way desktop max was never going to be a thing they have never had more than 10 percent of the market share nor will they ever
2: they're up to it, like seven point something now yeah. so you know they're, they're kicking it
0: so it's that's that's a thing that was never going to be huge. It was big right. enough to make money off of because they were selling, they were giving it away with the hardware essentially. Um, but you know the the it's worked for them, and and Linux is the same way. Desktop Linux is big enough to make money off of. People are are making money off of it. Um, but it's never going to have the penetration yeah. that Windows has, first to just market because Windows market. was first. Well,
1: not always, but usually, um,
0: the first to market.
1: Really, I mean, yeah,
0: mm-hmm. it was good enough. It was it had those two things going for it. It was first to market, and it was good enough. Um, there were other things that have come along that were better, but they were later. And there were other things that have come along who were were before Windows that were around, but they weren't good enough yet. Um, you know, the Amigas and the Ataris and those things like that. They just weren't good enough yet. Windows hit that sweet spot of good enough and, and early in the market. And so yeah. now they're on 90-plus percent of debt. Well, 80 now. The the numbers are going down. 87, 88 percent. Yeah, they're going down to 88 percent. Um but th- it's going to be the thing. It's the wave that everybody's riding, but it's going away. Because, you know, just as we've pronounced the death of yeah. desktop Linux, well, we've also pronounced the death of desktop And de- I also will, not Linux. only will
1: I put desktops in there, but I also put your, you know, Blu ray players, DVD players, all of that stuff, along with your um, uh, console video gaming. I think all of that stuff is going to go away where you have a, a device in your house. You know, except for the screens and the sound, anything else is going to go away. That's my thought.
0: When I was about, I uh, guess it was 10 years ago, so a student of mine, uh, when I was working in schools, asked me what the future of computing was. Um, and I said, the future of computing is that it's not a computer anymore; it's a portal, in much the way the television is now. It's an invisible uh, technology. We don't think of TVs as technology largely; we think of them as program delivery devices. And there's, it's just going to be this portal that is your information, it is your your entertainment, it is your communication, all in this one device. And I've I've held true to that vision for all these years i still think that's that's where the computer is going to be the form factor of it has changed originally i thought it would be a screen on the wall but now i don't think so now i think it's going to be in your head you know using bone conducting microphones and it's going to be you know in your uh, your glasses and all these sort of things uh, it's going to be on the walls ahead of you your screen is not going to be a physical piece right. of plastic or glass in front of you
1: the augmented it's going reality. to be your
0: entire field of vision because i think and you can put anything anywhere um, okay. Yeah. Well, it may be that, or it may be the construction right. materials okay. around you. You know, it, it or a combination of the two. Uh, where, I mean, th- there's going to come a time in the near future where display technology is as cheap and easy to yep. apply as latex technology. Well, paint.
1: that's like um, when that happens, know, we will simply doing that with, with whiteboards. Um, they have that whiteboard paint. So instead of painting their kids' rooms a color, they're painting it with whiteboard paint and telling their kids yep. to have fun. Yeah. Well, or yeah. Or not. I'm not saying yeah. everybody's doing it, but that's I'm just saying I have a good though. handful of friends <laughs> that are doing it that way because that's the choice they're making. They're they're choosing for their kids to be able mm-hmm. to be able to draw on walls and and have fun with it instead of being constrained to exactly. coloring in a book.
0: And I never, I, I don't think that the, the minority report gesture based interface will ever be the way we do things, but it will be a way we do things.
1: Um, It'll be curious to find out what happens because I know they're playing with it on some phones where they have gestures that you can gesture over with your voice and then it does, the phone does things with it. So it'll be interesting. I, the, I predict that the next five years of, of computing is going to drastically change everything that we know right now. Right. In the in the Ender Wiggins
0: Enderverse series, uh, later on, he had the computer uh, Jane um, that was his companion, and there was an implant in him, and he didn't have to speak; uh. he could just internally mouth words without making any sounds. And she could uh, she could read his his movements of his mouth and understand what he was saying. You know, I, that just occurred to me as as I was talking about this that the voice interface is always going to be intrusive. Because everybody around you can hear it, right? But when you have a bone conduction microphone, you don't actually have to make any sounds. So these sorts of things—it's not. It may be brainwave so recognition, think. but that's way down the road. That's I won't be alive to see that. Uh, what I will be alive to see—the see, the world is, will change dramatically. Like I said, I'm going to say like
1: five that. years. We're going to see a major shift. The problem
2: when. Is that the, the current, we currently, I think, have the hardware to do it. It's just so much of the underlying technology still was built from whenever security was not even a thought. And I don't like the idea of my entire house being in the cloud whenever it is, I mean, it is so insecure if you, you know, and you're opening up. People to turn on your lights when you're away, driving up your electric bill, causing your stuff to wear out early, seeing what you do, changing things. You know, hey, I'm trying to cook this turkey um, at, at X amount of temperature for so long, but somebody has it out for you and it causes it to undercook and you get sick. It, you know, today you think that would never happen, but when everything is run off the cloud, That becomes a very easy thing. And again, I I don't want to, you know, I'm sure by that time the the security will have caught up because we get more and more secure all the time as we find the bugs and fix them. And the security mindset is more set in the people doing the underlying programming. I understand that. But as of right now, that's not a far fetched scenario. And again, you know, and again, I'm not trying to say, you know, don't go online or or you'll die of salmonella, but that's just one <laughs> example of something that is very possible, uh, with the back end systems in their current, I mean, you, you think about it, we're in the wild, wild west of technology, you know, the, the west, there were great towns where laws were followed and then there was the shoot 'em up. Whoever got their gun out first was who was in charge. That's. That's, we haven't got much beyond that in terms of securing and establishing the underlying protocols of the Internet.
0: And you're right. The, the history has always been build it first and secure it later. I mean, going all the way back to, you know, cave dwellings, you dig the hole first, you figure it out first, then you roll a rock in front of it. Right. And what we're finding is that mentality doesn't work in security you got to secure it first or in in technology you got to secure it first and then build it and we're seeing that mentality change but it's going to take a long time you're right seth because these people who are rushing to be first to market are gonna they're gonna be okay with marketing an insecure product thinking we'll we'll close the doors later and we've seen that happen dozens of times just in the last couple of years
2: yeah i mean there were people and i don't remember the brand of the the light bulb that you know they did a cool thing and made their stuff secure but they weren't thinking and they put the key on the bulb and so it broadcasts the key but you think oh it's secure no that's incredibly insecure it's worse than if you had done nothing yep so um
0: yeah wired equivalency privacy was supposed (laughs) to be just as secure as a solid wire it was for like 35 minutes
2: yeah the Um. only way to be just as secure as a solid wire we know is to be a solid wire because you know and even then you they have the material that you can put something around it and it can detect when stuff is going through but that's a heck of a lot more secure than you know broadcasting a sin and say hey i'm an access point anybody want to connect well guess what there's an access point there
0: but but using that model if you look at wpa2 wireless now it's as secure as we can make it you know, mathematically, and easily scales up. You just swap in different keys later. So it took several iterations, but we got it right. So I'm more of an optimist than you are, knowing that, yes, it will be several iterations, but eventually we're going to get it right.
2: I I have no doubt we will get it right. (laughs) But until we do, I don't want it. I don't want to be an early adopter <laughs> That's of that kind of stuff, and you know, and here the fact that I am so against it only means we are barreling towards it at a breakneck speed as society. There you go. I understand that.
0: Awesome. Uh, this was a great discussion, guys. A lot of fun. Oh, uh, in fact, we it was so such a good discussion. I don't think we have time for any news this week. So um, we're going to record some of these news sections for our Patreon listeners. After the show, but the rest of you are just going to be newsless. Um, but we will jump into the um, um, this well, week. A- in actually, history. Mark. Actually, we got you want to do the market share. Okay, well, so the because Mark loves numbers section.
2: Well, actually, okay. I was going to do the uh, the office one because that is very germane to our conversation. I thought. So, okay, um, I don't.
0: I mean, do we have how long? Does it take more than a couple of minutes?
2: No, it doesn't really. It's a okay. uh, it, it, Okay, Microsoft announced that they are making their Office app free for iOS and Android. And you'll be able to do edit, not just viewing, but you'll be able to, like, create and edit docs unless it's in a business domain. Um, the only thing is some of the advanced functionality will be reserved for paying customers. So they're going to a freemium model um, on their tablet apps for um, Android and iOS.
1: So this isn't Office 365. It's it's their Office 365 and Office stuff. Interesting.
2: No, you no longer need an Office 365 subscription to edit documents or store them on the cloud. So basically, it's unless you're a business. So this is just for home users. It's a lot of the way, it's pretty much almost the same model of a Google Docs free for individuals, uh, but businesses, it costs money.
0: Which, you know, Microsoft has sort of been in this. Th- this is not new, right? So they've given it so cheaply to, um, like schools, for example, um, that right. the, the every, the average user has it anyway. But what's interesting is this is their play now. The office, um, 365 is where they're going. They're still making the, the enterprise suite, but they're putting their marketing heft behind office 365. So it's, it shows the shift that they too are moving away from the desktop.
2: Yeah. But originally you with the, um, iOS and Android app, you can only open Doc. Right. You couldn't edit them uh, unless you had a paid subscription to Office 365. So now you can edit them for free. But like if you're like one of those super macro formula Excel kind of people, uh, that kind of stuff you would need to like, you know, you get the basic for free. You pay for the premium model. Mm-hmm. So which means premium. I couldn't
0: do any of my office work on it right because if it's got a pivot table or or something fancy like that i can't do it so that's that's the thing it's it's useless for power users and they're the only people who ever pay for it anyway right so i it's it's makes sense it gets them a lot of of goodwill and free press without actually hurting their bottom line any at all
2: yeah no kidding right it's and it kind of kills their competition it's like the yeah. power of the monopoly you know
1: it's internet explorer six all over again (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'll still stay in my google docs though
0: (laughs) um okay so that that was a good we got one news story this week awesome um now seth what what happened this week in history
2: Okay. November the 9th, 2007, the German Bunterstag passes the controversial data retention bill mandating the storage of citizens' telecommunications traffic data for six months without public or without probable cause.
0: Which is so, so bizarre because Germany's all in into privacy and, and they're making Google Maps blur people and houses. But yeah. oh, by the way, record everything for six months, just cause.
2: Yeah, that's so weird. it was pretty controversial in Germany. I don't recall a lot of coverage of it, but then again, I'm a uh, I'm a stuck up, self absorbed American, so I, I well, wouldn't you wouldn't because 2007
0: was the year the iPhone came out, and that's all anybody talked about.
2: Yeah. Oh, is that why I don't remember 2007? Okay, <laughs> I thought it, I thought I like I thought I was a drug user for some time in my past and just didn't know about it. But that would
1: explain. Well, a that lot, could actually. be too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know, we're not saying that we know what goes on behind closed doors. Um, that's interesting. Um, okay, next up is uh, our links of the week, Seth. What do you have to bring down my productivity so that you look like a better hiring option?
2: Oh my gosh, the karate rap! This is a YouTube video. It is. Um, it's like four and a half minutes long. It is just the best thing ever, and I am going to pay to rent their movie that they did, but uh, The Karate Rap.
0: Oh, yeah. I have seen this. I have seen this before, uh, and they did a
2: full-length full, full length movie, or these are clips from a movie? Well, um, these same people did a movie. Oh, so. wow. See, I didn't—I <laughs> I saw this. When did
0: this come out? When was this a thing? Because it 94. looks ninety
2: four, okay. Um, But these people are earlier. This was done like in the late eighties or early nineties.
0: Oh, it's so it it's it's wrong on so many levels. Yeah, <laughs> and
2: that's um, what makes it so right. And like, even though
0: I've seen this before, and I'm not shocked by it, I'm still watching in horror. It's a train wreck that you can't not it look is. at. There's this it's chick with, with wet hair, writhing seductively in a karate gi, <laughs> gi, talking about her karate. It's just, it's wrong in every way.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's what makes it so right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I've yeah. seen it. <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> We've horrible. lost Seth. It, Seth is oh, gone.
1: Yeah. Are you watching it, Chris? Oh yes, I'm. I'm. I'm dying inside. It's
0: even better when you can hear it, but I mean, you don't have to. to it. Oh, you are listening? Okay. Yeah. I can't listen and do this at the same time. But yeah, it, it's. I'm dying. It's. It's almost better to watch it without the the uh the sound because it's I just have even to more watch it without
2: No, it can't be better to watch it without sound because <laughs> no, this is it horrible. looks just bad. The rapping is so
0: terrible so instead of tawny katane on a sports car there's a bizarre ninja so it's yeah. like all the tropes of the time set to karate
1: and then worse as they you know put on the 80s highlight colors
0: <laughs> and dodgy edits and obvious oh. green screens Ah, oh, it's beautiful Thank you, Seth. Thank you for lowering my productivity this week. I-, I started watching this a while back when I first discovered it and, and couldn't make it through. But uh, now that you've brought it, I will force myself to watch all of it.
1: I- I'm having a hard time watching it after the two-minute mark.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it- it's worth it to stay the end. Yeah, it's-, it's like banging
0: your head against the wall. It feels so good when uh-huh. you stop. Uh- <laughs> So while you guys watch that, I will tell you, listening audience at home or probably in your car or at work, how you can tell us how wrong we are about everything we said on this show. Um
1: And I think they should come on here and tell us. If, okay. if you want to come on and tell us about it, let us know.
0: So go to elementop.com, click the Contact Us button right up there at the top of the page. That will send us a nicely formatted email that gets priority in my inbox, even though I don't use priority inbox. Um, And uh, that that works. Or if you're a do-it-yourself kind of guy, uh, send us an email excuse me, an email to edl at elementop.com. That goes to all three of us. Or if you would like your voice to appear right alongside ours, you can use the Leave Us a Voicemail widget on our page. You'll put in your phone number. Name is optional. Google Voice will call you. You don't even have to dial the phone. Or you can just pick up the phone and dial 559-IMOP from anywhere in North America. That's a free call. And uh, leave us a voicemail, and we'll play it on the show. We haven't had any voicemails in a while, so I look forward to a new one. And I know this was sort of a a wide-ranging and potentially angering topic. Um, Let us know what you think. Uh, Were we right? Were we wrong? Were we somewhere in between? I'd love to hear your feedback on it. What is the future of computing, and does Linux play a role? Let us know at elementopi.com. Uh, that's it. I don't have anything else for you. So I'm going to say, Chris, Seth, thanks for being the awesome hosts that you are. And listener, thank you for being the obvious, uh, awesome listeners that you are. And for now, that ends this episode of Everyday Linux.